Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Carl Hutchinson Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Hutchinson. How are you doing? I hope you're well. I hope you're having a nice time. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Redden, Redden South Street Art Centre. Wow, it's it's so nice to go so far away from home and just, just be like so, not surprised, but you know, um, I can't remember the Redden crowd being that good. Uh, I think it's just because I don't really have a connection to Redden. You know, it's, it's one of those just, you know, naively... I think when you start off in comedy, you know, anything south of Manchester, you just go, ah, yeah, it's the same. Like Birmingham's right next to Nottingham, which is right next to Bristol, you know. So for me, Redden was just like, what? It was like, Redden, London, yeah, no worries. What? Nowhere near. Oxford, London, fine, yeah. Redden's London, Oxford's London. (laughs) What else is London? Bedford's London. This is all to a silly northerner. Do you know what I mean, though? It's like... Ant's the same though. I like Ant. He, he winds. I think he says it like on purpose now as well. He, he can't really be that stupid. I think he just does say this to wind us up. But he says because if you live in Newcastle, you live in the northeast, so you have to travel south. You know the further you, know, you travel north, you're in Scotland, so you have to travel south. But he can't get his head around the fact that Sheffield is in the north, or Manchester is in the north, or York is the north. He's he's got this thing of no anything. Anything south of Gateshead, and then that that's that's the south for me. So I, he, he, I've often heard him say, "I'm going down south to Sheffield," and I just want to grab hold the steering wheel, turn it to my side, and just end it for both of us. This is how much it winds up sometimes. <laughs> and now that I say this and I've committed it to the podcast, I know he's going to say it more. So that's great. So I went to London, Redden. And South Street Arts Centre, I'd been there before, and again, I think it's because the travelling back is so long, you kind of just forget about it the next day, as you do with most gigs. If it's a good gig or a bad gig, you always just forget about it and, and move on. But man, they were a great crowd, they really were. It was, um, it was a nice pack, it was only like a 140-seater, but it was nice packed out, you know, sold out and all that, and it was great. And yeah, they were just, 
I just buzzing or I just, you know, we, we had a five hour drive. We weren't really looking forward to that. It was an eight o'clock show. So it's normally a 7.30 show. So we're kind of gutted with that as well. But no, Redden, thank you very, very much. Yeah, you were, you were fantastic. Loved it. Even even the the hecklers or the drunk people, I should say the drunk people because they didn't actually heckle. Even they were even they were good drunks, you know. So the uh, Barnaby, the show manager, came to us before the before we kicked off, and he said, "Just so you know, there's a guy. The dressing room's right behind the stage, so I can hear everyone chatting on. You know, <laughs> the cheek of everyone talking in an auditorium when the show hasn't started. How dare people be in, be excited? How dare people be excited for my show? I'll, I'll not have it. I want everyone sat." in the cold, in the dark, in silence. But I can hear them all chatting, and one guy's just, uh, you know, when you can just hear, like, a, a drunk, just, oh, uh, yeah, so I came, I've been out all day, me, like, I said, no, no, that's not what I said, right? That's not what I said. Do you know, like, all that horrible piss. I'm not, I'm not racist, but... <laughs> that's always a red flag. I'm not being racist, right? But, you know, no, you know what, mate? Um... That's me, and I'll see you later. I don't want to stick around for whatever is about to come out of your mouth. Thank you. But yeah, so I can hear him chatting on, and then Barnaby comes through, and he just goes, Now, I don't mean to alarm you, but there's a guy in the front row who's had quite a lot to drink. And I was like, oh, God. But, I mean, thankfully, Anth goes on before me, so, you know, if he's going to be a twat, he can be a twat to Anth, and then we just ask him to leave. That <laughs> Just let Anth be the, the canary, the down south canary. Ah, you're definitely down south now, mate. Uh, get in there. But, no, he was great. He was. He did what all, I wish all drunk people would do. He realised he was plastered, and he just kind of sat there. He policed himself, and he quietly dozed in and out to sleep, and he didn't snore. So, who cares? Again, Hey, this isn't much of a review for my shows. I think we've done Guildford, we've done Redden, and I, I think somewhere... Oh, yeah, Lemon and Spa. I've, I've had three three people sleeping. <laughs> well, three out of 88 shows isn't so bad, I guess. But, yeah, three people have fell asleep in the front row. Guildford was the back, actually, but, you know, still there was sleep. But Al will always... And, actually, all three were alcohol-related as well. So, yeah, so it's nice to know what my demographic is. Um, so, yeah, so he just sat there, quietly was asleep, I didn't know where he was, and then I think when I went out, it was and came off. He said, "Yeah, mate, absolutely fantastic. You're gonna have a great time there." And I went through, and I thought for some reason that I was like, "Why is this drunk guy sat by himself, like on the side?" And I realised it wasn't. It was like the volunteer who 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 works there. I was looking at the complete wrong guy. So the guy that I was actually looking at was the guy who works there, the volunteer. And the actual drunk person, he was just sat there, and he was quietly just like falling asleep. But I think he was so polite. Every time I looked at him, he opened his eyes and he made sure he was looking at us. But if you look at that from my perspective, the drunk guy's fine. Who's this guy who's just not laughing? What the hell's the matter with him? And every time I looked at him, he just looked like he was staring us out. But no, he was trying his best to just stay awake and stay alert and not be a dick and spoil the show. So I thought I'm just dying on my ass. And it wasn't until I got off. Anth went, like, oh, yeah, that was the... That was a drunk guy. I was like, ah, makes sense. But I didn't let it bother us, and I'm glad I didn't because what a tremendous crowd it was. So and I know I keep banging on about it, but wow. I think when you don't expect it, it was amazing. So Redden, I'll definitely be coming back down to London. So I can't wait, <laughs> I can't wait to see you again. Thank you. You made the five-hour trip worth it. You really did because it was a five-hour trip back home. 
With stops as well. I think we stopped. The first stop was Weatherby, actually. So we did all right. Oh, no, we had to stop for petrol before that as well. Oh, that was a thing. We're on the M25 and just uh, evidently there's no services on the M25 or or we were in the patch where there weren't any. Um, and we had about, it was getting close. We had about 60 miles left in the tank. So we'll have to turn off and fill up in another place in London, I guess, and then drive home. <laughs> um, but yeah, we did. We we stopped for food at Weatherby and then came back. But it makes all the difference. So I got back at about three in the morning. But it just means when you wake up the next day, you've got that whole Sunday. You don't have to waste a day traveling home on the Sunday. You get that. So me, uh, me, Sophie and Lily, I think we went to Nando's in the afternoon. So that was great. She had a, you know, she's old enough now where we used to go uh, to the three mile, the local, when she was, you know, like eight, nine, ten months, and you could just put her in a high chair and play with some toys, and that was that. You could have a couple of pints and some food, but and then as she started to get older, as she started to walk, obviously she wanted to explore, so we ended up just, like, going for food, but then I would just do laps around the three mile, and then Sophie would do laps around the three mile, and it, it you know, eventually you go, ah, this isn't working anymore. So we haven't taken her anywhere for a long time because of that, but now she's like, touch wood. She's settling, you know, so we took her to Nando's with the iPad as well. iPad and headphones. She wore the headphones like a champ. I was buzzing. I mean, it kind of took the pressure off that there were some tables next to her and uh, with kids, and they were watching the iPads with no headphones, which, again, I don't care. Again, we'll go back to that restaurant thing. It's like I couldn't care less anymore. I remember when, how entitled I used to be before I had kids of like, how dare they? interrupt my restaurant experience what why can't they wear headphones well you know what because best of luck but sometimes they don't want to do it right and i don't care either way like like when i before i had kids if i was on a plane and kids got on the plane i'd be like oh my goodness like how dare they spoil my experience doesn't everybody realize that you're all part of my experience and you're currently spoiling it and then the kid would start crying. I'm like, how dare they? Why Why can't you just keep your kid in a house until it's 18 and not make any noise and not bother anyone? Because, by the way, I didn't ask you to have kids. That was genuinely, like, part of how I thought, you know. And then you have kids yourself and you go and you hear a kid crying on a plane or in a restaurant or watch an iPad. And the only thing you think or the only thing I think is just, oh, thank fuck I don't have to do anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I'm if I'm on tour somewhere and I'm having a meal and I can just see kids kicking off and running around, and like, of course it doesn't spoil me experience because I get to sit there and just go, oh yeah, that's not me, is it? No, that's no, I'm far away from home. I'm far away from my family. I don't have to, I don't have to bother with any of that shit. This is great. <laughs> so there's a bit of positive thinking. If if you're if if you don't have kids and you think your experience is getting spoiled by kids. Just remember, you don't have to do anything. You just get to sit there. Why don't you watch the parent sweat and run around and not have a great experience and, and be thankful in that knowledge? There you go. Yeah, I used to be a right dick in restaurants as well. Me mate Chris, Chris Corcoran, we used to be, He's still a teacher. Is he still a teacher? E God, Chris, that's bad. I know you listen to the show. No, I'm pretty sure you stopped. E God, this is so... Di- no, I've, wait, Chris, I've, I've been to your house, mate. I've been to your house. We've had dinner. I've met your kids and your family. <laughs> <laughs> I know you and Amy really well. Why am I, Why can I not remember if you're a teacher anymore? Because you you did it, and then you went to go and do something else, and now you're back because we met at, at Gosforth. You came up to Gosforth, went to the park together. Right, anyway, Chris, I know him from teaching. He might be a teacher. Who knows? <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> so, what was I fucking saying? I was talking about Chris for. Chris, teacher. Teacher. 
Chris, why have I got into that? Oh, fuck's sake. Ah, yes, he reminded us. He reminded us. He said, you know, I'm surprised you started talking about restaurants on one episode and you didn't mention your restaurant trick. And I went, what was that? And then he told us. I was like, ah, yeah, of course, I forgot this. Right, so I developed this one. Do you know if you go for a curry, right? It's mainly, it. I've found a lot, It's it happens in every restaurant, but I think the ratio of it happen when I go for a sit-down curry, it, I can almost guarantee that it's going to happen, right? So, and then I've, I've, I've done it in, they do it everywhere. I've, I've, I've been for an Italian before and they've done it there. I'll tell you what they do. So you go in there, say there's three, or there's five of you, or there's seven of you, and you go, oh, hi, table for seven, please. Table for five, please. Table for three. Let's go table for three. Just a, hi, table for three. They don't give you a table for three. They give you a table for two and they add a little dirty bastard chair at the other side, which I don't care for because now we've got less room and more food. So, and, and you know, and, and that goes on. Table for five. Well, here's a table for four with a table latched on. Dirty bastards. There might be restaurant owners in here now going, how, how dare you, God? Do you not know, realise that the, the electricity, yeah, the cost of living? Yeah, well, I, well, you know what? I'm with you on all of those things, but with the extra chair, go fuck yourself, right? Not having it. Sorry, no. So what I do, and I'm sure you're privy to this, I'm, uh, I'm sure that I, I, th- I thought I was cheating the system back in the day, and I'm sure you just, you know, maybe spat me food. Oh, there's a prick here, and he's, he's pulling this old routine. So if there's a table for five, I'll go... Can, I'll ring ahead and I'll go, can I book a table for six, please? So that I have got the six table set up. And when you turn up and they go, oh, I thought it was a table for six. You go, ah, yeah, one dropped out last minute. Bloody last minute Barry, eh? Bloody dickhead Davy. He's constantly dropping out. Too late to rearrange the tables. It's busy. It's a Saturday. Now you've got all the room in the world. Now, in fairness, I'm a greedy pig. All my friends are greedy pigs. We, if there's five, we do tend to order for six anyway. It's just that the amount of times you've got like a, a, three meals on a thing for two, you may as well eat if you're going for a curry with, you know, you just like one hand with a spoon getting your curry and then just like hold your naan bread above your head with your hand because that's the only way you're going to be able to get everything in. Yeah, dirty, dirty bastards, dirty bastards. Filthy tactic. Well, you know what? You're going to treat us like an animal. I'm, I'm going to behave like one. Table for three. It's actually four. One's dropped out. He doesn't exist. Oh, I'm up a, up a height already, aren't I? Up a height. So yeah, we did Nando's. Nando's was great. And then Monday was art class. And Tuesday was soft play. I actually miss trampoline now. So once art class finishes again, I think we'll go trampoline on a Monday. That was a good little spot. And I went to the gym Wednesday. We're recording the Tyne Theatre show. So, you know, it's all it's all full steam ahead. I've, I've, I've just got the, the recce through for Motive. So the lads at Motive up in the northeast are going to be filming it. And I got the big Google documentary through, and I saw that it's going to be a 6-7 camera job. I'm very excited for it. I've seen all the angles. A lot of them are above us, which is good, because that's like when you would take a selfie. So, yeah, I'm worried that I'm going to look fat as fuck. That's me. <laughs> that's me thing. Because right? um, I am. I know I am. And I'm sitting down now, and I'm holding me holding me big belly. So I'm, I'm going to the gym. I'm trying not to eat as much. You know, I say I'm on a diet. I'm not on a diet. I'm just... I talk about this in one of my stand-ups, actually. In one of my routines, in one of my sketches, in one of your people always, oh, you can use that for one of your, one of your routines, one of your... Don't put me in any of your sketches, mate. Don't put me in, in any of your fables. I hope I don't end up in one of your fables. You're not, mate. You're boring as fuck. And you just... Can I, can I get out the taxi, please? Can I just get out? Can I... 
Never ever tell a taxi driver what you actually do because they've actually done it before or they know somebody or they're, they're a lot more au fait with it than, than you are. I used to say to a taxi driver, well, what you do for a living? When I started, I was proud as punch. I'm a comedian. Ah, right. He has fucking 15 minutes worth of racist shit jokes. You go, okay, great. Never ever saying that again. So then I went back to the old one and I said, I'm a teacher. And then they'd, apparently, they'd, you know, they'd, they know just as much as teaching as they do about comedy, which is fuck all. You've had a taxi driver continues to talk to you. After they've dropped you off. Is that not the worst? Is that not like... He's mistaken... Like, you're just happily listening to their bollocks while you're in the car. And then they stop and they go... And then he said... You go, no, 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 mate. No, no, I don't I don't care anymore. No, your time is your time is up. I need to get out the car now. No, sorry. that's I don't actually care about anything you've said. Stop talking. Unlock the door. But yes, I'm not really on a diet. I'm just, I'm just not eating and drinking everything inside all of the time. I'm not on a diet. I'm just not having a McDonald's every night and I'm not having eight bottles every night, which for me, I guess, is a diet. So all full steam ahead for the Tyne Theatre. Might as well plug it now. It's going to be the Tyne Theatre the 24th and the 25th of November. 24th, 25th of November. Is that on? Yeah, 24th, 25th. We're going to be filming the 25th. So yeah, it's going to be great. Really looking forward to that. And we've got Carlisle before that on the 23rd. But that's sold out. That's only uh, 220 tickets, so that's gone. Now, getting on to some emails and comments now. The email says, please don't read out my name. Fine, but it's such a weird... For the request to, you know, please make sure that you don't read out my name. Just says, do you have any more bad gig stories? I really enjoyed listening to the ones last week. Wow, I mean, there's a ton of them, yeah. Sometimes you just want to put them in the back of your mind and you don't really want to, you know, you never want to think about them again. That's usually how bad experiences (laughs) work, particularly with stand-up comedy. Because it usually comes at a time when you're trying to get good or you're trying to, you know, increase your pay and you're trying to make it your living. So it's even worse when it doesn't go well because there's the... There's like, it's the shocking realisation that there's going to be no progression from this particular gig. You're going to have to start. You might as well have not done it. But yeah, no, there's a few. There's a few. I I remember one one time years ago, I was um I was down in Forum. I was opening again for Chris and some guy was just, he just mustn't have liked the fact that there was a support act. And he just got a book out and he just started reading it. In the mid- it's on me uh, TikTok, Instagram. You'll have to scroll down. I can't remember... I can't remember exactly where it is, but I've I've done a video of it, shown it in the past, and I think it's on YouTube as well, doing the rounds. Yeah, he got he got a book out and he started reading it, and then I went in on him. I think I said, you know, sorry, like if you am I disturbing you reading, you know? Um, and he's looking at me. I'll tell you what he looked like. Do you know the the guy from Home Alone with the shovel? That guy with the come on, let's get you home. That guy. He looked like him. Might have been him. And he's reading a book, and I was like, oh, sorry, mate, am I, am I disturbing you reading, yeah? Am I? Yeah? Oh, it's horrible when everyone's just built a whole comedy night around you reading, and then... And you're right at the front. I went, if there's a chance, you're not going to enjoy it. Surely you'd sit a couple of rows back, and then... And, you know, the crowd's laughing, and I'm going off on one. And then, I mean, this is when I realised he wasn't... I don't think he was a full shilling. He, he stood up, and he just was like... I can't remember... Nobody knows what he said. He just was like, shut up! Get yeah, and then just like got up and, and walked out with his wife as well, and she looked more. And then it was so weird. It was like they walked out, and there were two latecomers waiting to come straight back in. So they came in and uh, they they took their seats. And I think I made a joke, and they were much younger as well. There was like two lads, and I think I made a joke of like, oh well, you know, mom and dad didn't uh, deter the support. Like, let's send in the kids, see what they can do. But uh, looking back, you go, I'd rather have just not had the aggro, you know. I think that's that's where a little bit of maturity might come. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Come in. And I did start. I cut my teeth in the Newcastle Hyena, which doesn't, it's not there anymore. I think it's just flats now. You know, everywhere else in the UK had a jonglers, which was, jonglers was like, eat, drink, dance, laugh. That's that's how Jonglers was advertised. So it was very, very nineties. You know, very uh, Rick Wakeman live at Jonglers. Very nineties. Um, it was great. It was it was great for what it was. You know what I mean? It was um, I, I, Jonglers is one of the reasons why I was able to to stop teaching and go into comedy. You know, it was it was good money and it was regular work and all that. You know, so it was good to get us from you know where I was to where I needed to be. So I'll, I'll never slag them off. And you know, you take the gigs, you know exactly what you're getting. You're going to be getting hens, stags, big groups, birthdays, all of that. It's not. It's not really about the comedy. It's their night out, and it happens. Yet there happens to be a bit of comedy. So there's a lot of um, a lot of drunk people. A lot of just, you know, just get through the 20 minutes. Just see if you can get through the 20. See if you can battle the hecklers. See if you can go on and, you know, and, and prove your worth and all that. And, you know, it, 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 it's a very adversarial way of, of, of doing comedy sometimes. You know, you have to just go on. It's like, and fuck you, and fuck you, and don't you think about that. All right, good evening, everyone. How are we doing? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's weird. But Newcastle didn't have a junglist. Newcastle didn't need a junglist because Newcastle had a hyena. Tell them about the hyena, boss. This year's the hyena. It runs from shaft to shaft. That's life. That is life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. I knew. <laughs> What's that again? What's that quote? That's a great fella. You'll notice we don't have fences here in Camp 8. We don't need fences. We got us the gun line. Tell them about the gun line, boss. This year's the gun line. It runs from shaft to shack. You step, you trip, you pee over the gun line, you will be shot. You so much as stick your Johnson out of the gun line, you will be shot. Why did I get onto that? Oh, yeah, yeah, great. Great film if you've never seen it. I think it was very underrated. Martin Lewis. Martin Lewis. Who's Martin Lewis? The money guy. (laughs) He's not in it. Martin Lawrence. (laughs) Eddie Murphy and Martin Lewis. (laughs) Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence. I believe Bernie Mac's in there as well. It's a great cast, honestly. It's a, you'd reckon it's one of them where you might not know all the names, but you recognise everybody. It's a great, great film. It's set in uh, Mississippi. I think it's nineteen twenties, and they get uh, wrongly uh, they get framed for murder, and they get they get life. And it's about two people called Ray Gibson and Claude Banks. And it says at the end that you know Ray Gibson. Well, I don't want to give it away, but you know it it. It says something at the end that leads you to believe it was based on a true story, but I don't know how uh, if it, if it is or not. Great film. I remember I blagged me way in. I told the last that I was fifteen when I was in fact thirteen, and yeah, just 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 sat and watched it and just fell in love with it. And I think I've watched about I probably watched it about four or five times a year. <laughs> sometimes um, I've had to have a break for so long now because I just know the whole film back to front. Newcastle didn't have a junglers. Newcastle didn't need a junglers because they had us the hyena. Now the hyena. 
That was like, that was the Geordie Jonglers. That was like an independently ran Jonglers. The night didn't start till nine, but they let people in at six. And there were just big, long tables. Everyone was on big, long tables, all hens, all stags. I always felt bad if there were actually couples there who wanted just to watch a good night of comedy because it, it, it wasn't the atmosphere for that. But, you know, I remember getting heckled so many because, you know, you, you start out and I'm, I'm starting out doing the hyena. I remember being 19 years old and Kevin Bridges, before he was massive, I had a missed call from him and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm on at the hyena and the, the compares dropped out. Can you compare? And the compare is like when you host the night, the MC. And I was like, I've, only, I've done about six gigs. No, no, of, of course I can't. But, you know, you can't you can't say that. So, I, you know, I, I ran there, like like ran to the metro station, got there. And then I, I was in my first ever hyena, um, Kevin Bridges and Steve Harris. And I remember the paiders. I remember that I'm a student at the time. And, I, and they paid us half the money of, of what, like, a normal compare got. I mean, I assume because they knew that's what they could pay us. Do you know what I mean? I was I was terrible. I was shite. I, I don't think I did a very good job at all. In fact, no, I know I didn't because I didn't get asked back for, like, another subsequent four or five years. But I remember I got paid £120 and you're meant to get 240 And I remember it got to, like, 60 and they were counting out the £20 notes. And I, in my head, I was like, just don't say anything. Like, the, they are actually keep going. Like, I thought that they'd made a mistake by paying us £120. And I was I was like, this is... Um, and I remember I ran ran to the Metro, got straight home. Next day, I took me and me, two, two of the lads, to Subway. That was me. That was me big treat. I remember I came to, like, £18. I was like, yeah, don't worry. I got this. But, yeah, I remember getting heckled that, that time. And it was just, like, a bloke at the front... And he had his arms folded. And I'm just doing, God, some of me old jokes. What, what would they have been? What would some of me old jokes been? I think the, the first ever bit of material I did, it was an observational bit on the claims direct adverts. And it was like, it was basically, have you seen how stupid the people are on claims direct? And it was just, it would cut to Nigel. That's what I called them, Nigel. It was just another day. So that, see, I, that voice has always been there. It was just another ordinary day at work when suddenly I fell off a ladder and broke me neck. Claims Direct assured me it had nothing to do with the fact I was going up the ladder backwards and feet first, but had everything to do with the fact I was not properly trained on the ladder. I don't think I'd had a punchline. It was just that it was just an excuse to do that voice, and um, it normally got a laugh, you know, but. Uh it didn't on that night. I remember there was a bloke sat at the front. He had his arms closed, and he was like, he was just like, he had his arms folded, and he was just saying to his mate, he was just going, he's just not funny. He's just not funny. Hey, mate, you're just not funny, man. You're shite. Get off, man. And then you know you go into him and fucking, and then the doorman have got to like escort you out. That's the thing. I got I got sick of doorman having to escort us out of places. So that's why I let the sleeping dogs lie. There was another time in Sway Jonglers. This is Jonglers in London. And I'm on stage and I'm doing all right. You know, I'm about 22, 23 now. So I think I'm fucking Jack the Lag. And, you know, I've, I've, I've quit my teaching job and I've got jonglers in. And I think I'm, I think it's like, it doesn't get better than this. And I remember I was like, it was a big long room, like a wide room. So they put you in the middle. So you've got to constantly act as if you're on a microwave. You know, you're, you, you're looking from left to your right constantly to try and involve everybody. And there was this one table of like a, just a Hindu, and for whatever reason they weren't they weren't listening, weren't paying attention. I tried to like you know talk to them and all that, and they were just ignoring us. And I didn't know how to get them you know involved. I, I probably still wouldn't know what to do now, you know. But I think what I definitely wouldn't have done is I said yeah, twenty two, twenty three. I just went shut the f up, you bunch of f and slags, right? And that I don't know why I thought that would. I don't know why I thought that was the thing to say. 
But that's what came out of my mouth. Now, not only did, like, the hen do. Christ, somebody's getting married. It's somebody's hen do, right? You're thinking back. You go, you know what I mean? I would have just tried my best to ignore it. But the, they start kicking off. And not only are they kicking off, but the rest of the crowd went, oh, no, that was a bit too harsh. You know, so not only did I not get them on site, but I was losing the crowd that I did have. And by the end of it, yeah, I think I had three or four. And then, like, another table pipes up, and I'm like, and you can fuck off as well. So I think I just, like, I, I remember trying to apologise to the show manager at the time, and she was holding back, like, three or four of the hens who wanted to fill us in. And I was trying to say, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, and she just turned around and she went, just go. Can you just go, please? If you go, that it'll be the best thing for you to do. <laughs> she said, just go. Just go. Yeah, so I did. So I did. I just went. And that was, uh, yeah. So if, if if that was you, if that was one of the one of the hens, if that rings a bell, I'm I'm very, very sorry. I just, I wish. You look back, you go, oh, I, always wish, I always wish I could have handled things a bit better. But I guess that's life. I, I think you can't change the past. The only thing you can do is... is and that, that's a lesson for life, isn't it? You can't change the past. You can, the only thing you can do is just try and do better moving forward. Oh, but getting back to life, man, honestly. The amount of times I've watched that, like, so... Well, you can't have my cornbread, that's for damn sure. And you try and take my cornbread, part two of my killing going to start right up now on your ass. So you said about 35 mile. 35 mile. Okay, okay, 35 mile. Damn, I didn't realise white folks so serious about pie down here. Just... <laughs> Honestly, if you've not seen it, go out your way to watch it. I actually used that in a job interview once. Do you know, I used, on a side note, I used High On to plagiarize my year six sats. I, I'd i been playing in uh, my uh, best mate at the time, Mark Brocklehurst. He lived at the Scotch Estate and uh, we were playing football. And I remember I tripped over me, over a football. That's how good I was. I tripped over the football and I like bent me finger. I, I did something with me. Oh no, that was a different time with me, with me mouth, wasn't it? What did I do with me finger? Ah, yeah, you had this big, this big fire, fire slammy door. And I got my finger caught in it. And, and so I had to get stitched and bandaged, but the, they needed to use me. This was me middle finger, the one I would like flip people off with. And I remember the, they had this like tape me, index finger and middle finger together so that the index finger was working as some sort of crutch or something. It was weird. But it, it was the week before, it was the, the next day was the SATs. It was the year six SATs. And I was like, ah, me SATs. So I had to uh, bless all the teachers at St. Mary's Primary School. I remember I remember Mr. Finley and Mr. Gallagher. I remember I had to go and do me written English test uh, with Mr. So Mr. Gallagher, the head teacher, I had to write the everything that I said. I had to dictate it. So I remember it was on creative writing and it was like, think of a story that involves a train and, and, and oh, it was like, you know, some, but basically all I did was I'd watched High Arnold the next, the night before and it was the ghost train episode. If anyone knows you, High Arnold, you know, there was some sort of ghost train and I just changed all the names and I just told that whole story and made Mr. Gallagher write it down. <laughs> I got like, like a really high level. <laughs> It was like great storytelling. I was like, yeah, of course it is. It wasn't fucking mine. <laughs> and you know what? If you want to, if Ofsted's listening and you want to revoke the sats, have at it. I don't think I've used it since. Go for it. Right? There you go. I'm, I'm sticking my finger up at you now without the index finger because it's healed. Because it's healed. <laughs> I went for a job at the the cinema at the Metro Centre. This is like when you're 16, 17, you're just trying to get, you know, it was shit back then because you're just trying to get money. And I had a paper round up until I went and got like one of these like teenager jobs because again, there was no, there's nothing going, you know. I remember my uncle, my uncle Sean got us a job at the, it was like a, it was a label making place. It was called Scanham. It was on Team Valley. And that, that was my first job. And I remember, 
you know, he, when he gives it, he's it, it like it wasn't his company, but it, I think he he pulled some strings to get us it. And well, like mind you, though, just so you know, it's not like it's it's child wages. It's not great wages, so you know, uh, be aware of that. And I think it worked out. It was like I did like eight hours a day, five days a week, and it was one hundred and thirty eight pound a week. But I remember some of the factory workers were like, "You're being exploited," and I was like, "Ah, yeah, nah, but who cares?" Like. I'm currently making eight pound a week with me paper round, so I'll do that. That was me six weeks job, and it was great because my uncle Sean he would pick us up and drop us off. So I had a, I had a great little deal there. Yeah, that was me. That was me first summer job. That was a good one. And then, but then I was trying to you know get more money and and and, and figure out how to do that. So I thought I'll go for a job at the Metro Centre and I'll work at the pictures. That that'd be a lovely lovely thing to do. Work at the cinema. And part of the job interview process is you have to stand up and, and talk to everybody else interviewing for the job of what your favorite film is. And I'd just seen life at the time. So I stood up and I gave this big presentation, why I liked it, why I think it's funny, what it means to me, blah, blah, blah. And then they come to the end of the end of the thing, they go, well, there's good news and bad news. The good news is you've passed the interview. And I was like, right. The bad news is we can't give you the job. I went, okay. They went, yeah, it's because you don't drive. So we need our, we need everybody working here to be able to drive uh, because we will go into hours, like later hours that when the buses are off and the metros are off. So there'll be the only other way to get home will be to drive. And I was like, you tell us that. You tell us that after the fact. Could you not have just got the bit of paper where I've ticked, do you drive? Yes or no. And then you say, Right, well, this is, this is no good for you. So I, that, that stuck in me crying. I had a paper round for a little bit longer because of that. But my other job was St. James's Park. That was a fun one. I was back in the 2002, 2003 era of Newcastle United. So there were, you know, the, the, that was the last time they were good. It was a Bobby Robson era. But the amount of shite that people used to talk I, I just used to sell burgers and pies. It was 170 for a bottle of Coke. So if you got three Cokes, it was 510. I just remember like, Dad's there with the two. How much? And I was like, Do you think I've? Do you think I've set the price? Do you? Do you think? I, I remember that a lot of the times. I remember they would just throw the money at us because they were so disgusted. And I was like, That's a great lesson you're teaching your kids there, mate. Yeah, it's great. I hope. I hope they grow up and they don't visit you. Right? How much for a pie? How much? Two pound thirty. Up. Where? <laughs> She's by. Up. <laughs> two pound thirty for a pie? Huh? One seventy for a cook? Little G! Little G! Are you seeing how much is? G! <laughs> Off me. <coughs> oh, God. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Gene! So, yeah, I remember they used to throw the money at us, the horrible pricks, right? So, I hope, hope something bad happens to you. <laughs> it's great saying that, isn't it? I told a guy off once for... for Talking on his phone too loud at the at the lounge at, at Newcastle Airport, and he was just like, yeah, having a full on business conversation. And I just went, yeah, mate, can you keep it down? I was like, you're not the only one in here, like. And he was like, who's in the right there? Do you know what I mean? It's like theoretically, I am, but you know what? You're gonna <laughs> who's in the right? Let's all agree, it's me. So we're having this argument back and forth. I'm like, put your phone away. It's a public place. Yeah, but you're inflicting it on everyone. And then it was time for us to get me train. And I was like, I go. And I think I said, I go and fuck off or something. <laughs> And he just paused his phone call. He definitely won, by the way, because he just paused and he went, yeah, have a crap day. And I just thought that was a really funny... As I walked out, I was laughing. I was like, ah, it's a really funny thing to say to somebody. <laughs> yeah, have a crap day. <laughs>
Yeah, and the amount of shite people used to tell you at the at the kiosk as well, serving the burgers and the pies and all that. They would just they would just chat to you just about whatever they wanted to chat with. You know, it's like I worked at, the, at a bar as well at the old George, and you would just get it was like being in a taxi and you could never get out. That was the best way to describe it. The taxi driver's talking to you, and you can't go anywhere. This is where you work for the next six hours, and you're just like right. And one time, this guy he would always turn up. He he looked like Harry Enfield's depiction of a scouser. It was that he had the curly hair and he had the mustache, and but he was going bald at the top, and he had a, a Newcastle uh, top on. Obviously, he wasn't a scouser; he was he was a Geordie, but he looked like Harry Enfield scouser back in the day, and he just used to stand there, prattle on. And then I remember that show racism, the red card. It was a black man talking about white people, and he it, and the point of the advert was, when it's cold, you go blue; when you're sick, you go green; when you're angry, you go red. You know, it's you get the point. And then the, the, the closing line is, and you've got the cheek to call me coloured. And I was like, all oh, right. And, you know, I remember watching that going like, all oh, right, wow, yeah. And I remember he was like watching it and he's, he's learned it off by heart. And at every one where he's going, and when you're sick, you go green. He's like vehemently shaking his head. And when you're angry, he goes red and he's shaking his head again. And, you know, and when you're cold, you go blue and he's shaking. And he turned around and he went, that's racist, that. That's racist. I was like, what do you mean? He's going, because that, that, you can't say that, right? We can't say that about them, so they shouldn't say that about... I went, no, do you not get the whole point? Do you not realise the, the... That was the first time I ever chatted back to him, and coincidentally, that was the last time I ever seen him because I think he just went off to another kiosk to talk shit to somebody who wouldn't talk back. <laughs> I don't know. The best way I can describe it is that like, I, I just dealt with so much of his bollocks like every week that I felt like uh, an avatar who's become self-aware on Westworld. And eventually I was just like, I don't have to put up with it. I don't have to listen to this shit. And I was like, I said, no, it's not racist. And you're a fucking idiot. No, you want to get your facts right, you. You want to get your facts right. <laughs> I was like, what facts? This is my opinion. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I love it when people say, get your facts right. And all you do is saying you're part of the argument. Nah, you get your, get your facts right. I don't like, I don't like confrontation. I'm going to, I've had it with kiosk 58. I'm going to kiosk 59. Can, yeah, I don't have to put up with any shit at kiosk 59. <laughs> and you know what? Newcastle were rubbish for 20 years thereafter. I know they're good again now, but my only comfort is to know that he's been gutted for 20 years. I can see by that old clack on the wall. See by that old clack on the wall. See by the clack on the wall. I can see by the clock on the wall. It's time to go. Thank you all so very, very much for listening. I'll do a quick... Please keep rating, keep subscribing. It really does help. Keep us in the charts. Keep us in all of that great company. By the time you listen to this, I'm happy to say I'm going to be in Carlisle, sold out on the 23rd. Newcastle Town Theatre, the 24th, 25th. We're going to be filming on the 25th, of November. Then I'm going to be in Southampton, Aldershot, Fife, Harrogate, and we're going to close the tour off in London. London, Redden, Bedford, who knows? No, it's actual London. Drury Lane, top secret comedy club, the legendary top secret comedy club. It's it's still relatively brand new. You know, it's only about like, maybe it's 10 years old, but it's got a hell of a name for itself. I'm, I've never done a show there before. I'm very excited to come. So if you're in London, you want to do top secret, that is going to be Wednesday, the 6th of December. Other than that, just have a great week. Um, That, that would have been a great send off, wouldn't it? Have a great week, and then I couldn't think of what else to say, so I'm just going to, I think I'm going to end this one with a, a little sigh.